everybody can act like they're cool. They can have a cool church service. They can do the cool light show. They can have the awesome band. They can have the preacher with the tattoos to show he has a past. (laughs) But the moment you begin talking about a crucified savior, you're a fool. friends and welcome to the all of life show i am one of your hosts alicia white along with my handsome muscular awesome husband keep going (laughs) tell them your name babe Stuart white give the people what they want (laughs) thank you guys for joining us today if you have not gotten a chance to go back and listen to last week's episode please do that our interview with samuel say is the most listened to episode so far of our podcast Uh, definitely some hot topics that you might want to review or just listen to for the first time if you haven't yet we definitely encourage you to do that thank you to those who have left reviews on apple podcast for us we are still doing our giveaway and so if you want a chance to win head over to our apple podcast page under our show and leave us a review and somebody will be winning a 25 dollars gift card to the restaurant of their choice and we have two of those to give away so you will win one and then someone else will win one we aren't giving away two $25 gift cards to the same person in case that wasn't clear. That would in the just last be a episode. $50 gift card. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, what would the point be? Unless maybe you wanted it like $25 for Taco Bell. Yeah. $25 so, for McDonald's. <laughs> we will definitely be announcing that on the show within the next com- couple weeks. So uh, make sure to go and do that on Apple Podcasts. Babe, you want to tell our friends what we're going to be talking about today? Well, today, something that's been pressing on my heart, and I think maybe part of it is because of some of the discussion that we had last week on the episode with Samuel Say, uh, but also just things in general going on in the world. And every time I hop on Twitter or turn on the news or check something, it feels like I'm hearing about another Christian leader that's fallen or another Christian uh, personality or celebrity who has basically gone through the whole deconstruction phase and come out on the other side as something where they say they're a Christian, but then as you hear them discuss things, it's pretty clear that their faith has nothing to do with Jesus. Can you actually, before you go any further, can you dig in a little deeper to what deconstruction means? Well, yes, that is something uh, you'll hear it used in progressive Christianity. And if you want a little more information on this, I would highly recommend going to Elisa Childers podcast. She uh, also wrote a book called Another Gospel, and we are going to try and get her on the show in the future. So we would highly advise you to check her out. But Or if you happen to know her, just put in a good word for us. Yeah. Yeah. But the idea is that in what has been called progressive Christianity, they take you through this entire initiation of sorts where they call it deconstruction and they're really deconstructing your faith and they claim it's out of love and they claim it's out of compassion and for you as a person and that you really if you were raised in the church you had no choice in what to believe so they're going to take you through this process of really it's just to make you doubt everything that you were ever taught and then have you come to this point of complete confusion and then walk away. 
And the term deconstruction is actually kind of a buzzword right now because uh, in culture right now, people are deconstructing their sexuality, deconstructing their gender. So it's not just a deconstruction of our faith. There's kind of a deconstruction of a lot of different topics going on right now. Yeah. And you'll hear people say, oh, well, and then I reconstructed. And really what they're doing is creating a their own religion, kind of. They're creating something in their own image that then they can worship. And everybody thinks that they're so progressive and they're so modern and, you know, nobody in the past has ever had it right until now. We are the most elevated, educated, smartest culture in the world and we are going to figure it all out and we already have. So it, it actually isn't really true. You see it in the Exodus as Moses is taking everybody out of Egypt and when he goes up onto the mountain and what happens they make the golden calf, right? And what what they're really doing is the same thing we still do today. When we fear, we create something. Uh, our, our faith is shaken. We create something in our own image, some God that then we want to say, yeah, that, that's a God that's more acceptable to me. And really at the heart of progressive Christianity, at the heart of, uh, and I, I even hesitate to call it Christianity. It, it, in its most honest form, it, it would be more like a cult, I would say, except that there isn't any one particular church behind it. It's sort of a movement that's been happening uh, for the last decade, probably, or more. You're um, talking about progressive Christianity. Progressive, progressive Christian, Christianity, yeah. yeah. Um, but it really is something that is sweeping through our culture, I think, like wildfire, even more. And it's nothing new, but it really is just creating God in your own image so that he's more, you know, just suitable to your tastes, easier to worship, easier to handle. The things about him that seem too complicated, the miracles, the virgin birth, the uh, resurrection, the crucifixion, all of that. If, if it just doesn't sound good to you, if it doesn't seem plausible to your, you know, modern mind, then just toss it out. You don't need that. Besides, all that Jesus really taught was that you just love each other, right? You're just kind to each other. We'll just take Jesus's principles and we'll reject him as a person. Uh, but but we, we don't think we are because we're taking the things he taught, except if you're to take the things he taught, you would have to deal with the fact that he did claim to be God. There's a lot of people out there who will say, oh, no, he didn't claim to be God. He absolutely did. In fact, when the time when the Pharisees pick up stones to stone him, he says, uh, you know, why are you going to stone me? And they go, well, uh, because you being a man have made yourself equal with God. Now, to be equal with God would imply that you are God. And Jesus was basically saying, yeah, I and my father are one. And then multiple other places you see this. And another thing in progressive Christianity that I've noticed and heard is that what they'll do is say, well, then the apostle Paul, he was really the one who created the Christianity that we have today. And it wasn't Jesus. Jesus never said all these things. So they'll start with kind of a premise that says, um, Jesus, we can we can follow him, we can worship him in some weird, vague sense, but anything that came later, the claims about him being God, the claims about anything to do with deity, the claims about resurrection, all of that was in some form invented by the apostles, and the apostle Paul in particular, because he wrote such a large um, number of the New Testament books that we have, and it's all a lie. It is the same technique that you see Satan use. 
You see it in the garden. You see him tempt Adam and Eve with that. Did God really say, no, you won't die? And they take the truth and they, they twist it. And some of these people may think that they're, they're well-meaning, that they're doing a good thing. But what they're really doing is taking people who are not educated enough or understanding enough of scripture and history and um, archaeology or whatever the different things are that uh, they can find an in with and exploit that. And it's like a hacker, you know, hacking a computer system. They don't go through the hardest to get through a doorway to get to you. They look they're for gonna, the weaknesses. Yeah, they're going to look for the weakest point. And it's the same technique that Satan uses. So he goes out there and he's like, what's your weakest point? And for a lot of us, it's going to be the sin that we struggle with or something. But for others, he's going to find people who can go to them and convince them that everything they've ever heard is a lie, that there is no uh, historical backing to it, that you cannot trust the scripture, that you cannot trust historical Christianity, that it was invented, you know, uh, years ago, what was the movie, The The Da Vinci Code, where um, Tom Hanks is in it, and it's all about, like, they supposedly made this big discovery about uh, the church and Christ and how it was all covered up and everything. Total bunk, but a lot of people were very convinced by that. And y- you see this happen every so many years, a bigger groundswell kind of push comes along to get people to... Uh, doubt and it it really shakes out the people who are either new believers or they may have claimed to have been a Christian for a long time, but there's no root. And Jesus even gives that example in his parable uh, of the sower with the seed. You know, he goes along and he sows, and some of the seed takes root quickly, but it's it's in shallow ground and it is easily plucked out. And some of it ends up in the rocks, and some never sprouts at all, and others takes deep root. And so the important thing to get at here is you need to be grounded in the truth of Scripture and have deep root take hold so that when these things come along, you're not shaken. And I really, one of my favorite books in the New Testament, I mean, I love the whole Bible, but... You have to say that. Yeah, I have to say that. You can't just say, like, which one's your favorite. But I, what I really love uh, about the book of Colossians is the emphasis on the deity of Christ. Like if you're ever in doubt anywhere, uh, you go into here and Paul's like, let me be very, very clear. Jesus is God. He, he is God incarnate in the flesh. He died for your sins. He rose again on the third day. Uh, he lives to make intercession. He took away the, the law that was there to condemn you, that could never save you, and he redeems you by his blood. I love it because it's almost like a much shorter, more concise version of Romans. And so... Give us a little context of who wrote the book of Colossians and why he was writing it. So the Apostle Paul wrote the book of Colossians. Paul was formerly Saul, who was saved while he was on his way to persecute Christians. He was on the road to Damascus, and Jesus comes down and appears to him and blinds him, and Saul is going... Who, is, who are you, Lord, as he hears this voice, and he says, I'm Jesus, whom you are persecuting. And you got to think like, oh, man, at that moment, <laughs> oh, he was, must have been shoot. messing his pants. <laughs> and he goes, why are, Why do you persecute me? And he's like, oh, uh, 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 I, you know, <laughs> I don't, well, I, I didn't know I was. And Jesus, though, saves him and 
gives him a mission and he says, hey, I'm going to cause you to be the one who goes forth and ministers to all of these churches, plants all of these churches. One of the most effective, if not the most effective evangelists in the history of the world. And it's amazing to see what God can do. He can take someone who in that day would kind of been like the equivalent of like Osama bin Laden or something. You know, he was going and persecuting Christians and any chance he got to vote to put them to death, he was putting them to death. This is not someone who you would be like, oh yeah, well, you know, clearly he was faking it. You know, he, he didn't like Jesus. This is not somebody who was his best buddy. And then like, they will claim that the apostles faked his death or any of that stuff. He's, he's like, I didn't like the guy at all. I didn't like Christians at all. I, I actually voted to put a lot of them to death and lock them up in jail and that sort of thing. So he ends up getting saved and then he ends up getting commissioned to go forth and to plant churches and to preach the gospel. And he writes, well, most of the book of Acts is written about him. You get the first uh, 10 or so chapters uh, with Peter and the apostles and stuff. And then you have all of Acts pretty much is all Paul. And then you have Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, First and Second Corinthians. This guy liked to yeah. write. <laughs> People, some, I think he wrote, probably wrote the book of Hebrews. He was brilliant. He was educated. He was incredibly intelligent. Yet at the same time, he, he says later on, he says, I count all that as loss for the sake of knowing Christ. Like, not that he was against being educated or against being smart, but he, he was like, look, it doesn't matter anything if, I profit all of that, but I lose Christ. Like I would, I would give all of that up. But fortunately, it's not that way. God is not like, oh, you have to give up being intelligent. He's like, actually, I made intelligence. I made your mind, and I, when you know me, you can actually know true wisdom, true knowledge in everything that God has made. So that is a very long-winded explanation. Well, the book of Colossians was written to the church of Colossae. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. This is one of the churches that um, Paul had a role in. And so he writes to them and he wants to remind them of Christ and what has happened. Uh, and he, he starts off um, in actually going to chapter two. He goes, for I want you to know how great a struggle I have on your behalf and for those who are at Laodicea and for all those who have not personally seen my face that their hearts may be encouraged having been knit together in love and attaining to all the wealth that comes from the full assurance resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery, that is, Christ himself, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this so that no one will delude you with persuasive argument. For even though I am absent in body, nevertheless I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good discipline and the stability of your faith in Christ. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. So he sets the stage there and he's reminding them like, don't think that you have to move on from Christ. You received him in faith and so you are rooted in him and continue on in faith. You, you don't leave Christ because that's what happened. A lot of people were saying, yeah, that was a great start. Now you need to either come back to Judaism or there's some secret knowledge out there that you have to learn. So here's what he says, beginning in verse eight of chapter two. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception, according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, 
rather than according to Christ. For in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form, and in him you have been made complete. He is the head over all rule and authority, and in him you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands in the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us, and he has taken it out of the way having nailed it to the cross. When he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. That is one of my all-time favorite sections because I, I love that last section there too where he says he nailed it to the cross. He's saying, look, there were laws, there were rules, commandments, everything was against you. You know, you had in Judaism, they thought, Keeping the law will make me righteous. And you find out later, Paul thought that very thing. He says, if there was somebody who was righteous according to the law, it was me. And again, he says, but I count all that as loss for the sake of knowing Christ. He says, Christ is better than that. And in fact, here he says that law, the only thing it was, was like, it was like if you were to get speeding tickets, but even worse, you know, like you have a warrant out for your arrest and you were going, but look, I've been really good at keeping the law of my warrant for my arrest. It's like, that's not how it works, dude. You're actually, you're going to jail if they catch you. It's against you. And he says here, this law was against you. All of these writings were against you. And he took it and he nailed it to the cross. And then he made, he disarmed the rulers and authorities and made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. God triumphed over everything in this world that raises up an arrogant mind against him. And he did it through the most foolish thing possible, the death of his own son, Jesus Christ, and he raised him from the dead again. Everybody can act like they're cool. They can have a cool church service. They can do the cool light show. They can have the awesome band. They can have the preacher with the tattoos to show he has a past. (laughs) But the moment you begin talking about a crucified Savior, you're a fool. And you have to remember that. And your temptation is going to be to shy away from looking foolish. And here he's saying, like, don't let that happen. Don't be tempted by the philosophies of this world. Don't be tempted by those who raise up their mind against God and they say, no, that's stupid. That that would be dumb. Why would he do it that way? That doesn't make any sense. He's like, look, you're going to sound foolish. So just get used to it. I like that he said, as is the tradition of man, like do not be led astray or made to be confused as is the tradition of man. Like it kind of implies, well, it totally implies that this is not something that has just been started they like this has been going on this is man uh, the human race is 
inclined to lead people astray. And I think it's because we do all look on the inside of us and think that on some level we know better. It's why we search for what we think the truth is. And we grab from here and from here and from here and from here. And we pull all of our experiences together and we decide what the truth is. And we've talked about this a lot on the show, especially if you want to reference the episode about worldview. But you have to go way back to the beginning and decide where you think the world came from. Like that is the first question to ask yourself. And then where does your source of truth come from? That's why we look to scripture for our source of truth. And we don't get to pull it from here and here and here and here. Again, you're just like Israel in the wilderness making idols from your pieces of gold and pulling all these parts together and making one molten graven image uh, that you think is what your savior is, that your God is. The most important thing is that you can know Jesus, you know the truth, you know that, and you know him, and it sets you free. But the world is going to constantly be coming against you. The world system, the way that people think, the the sinfulness in the world, it's all going to keep coming against you and trying to take you away. Because there is an enemy of your heart, the enemy of your soul, Satan, and the demons that he leads are real. They come against you. They want to destroy you. They want to mar the image of God. And they don't care how it happens. They don't care what they have to promise in order to get you to believe what they want you to do. They'll do it. They will promise fame. They will promise fortune. They will promise success. They will promise peace. And sometimes that peace will come in the form of being a coward. You want to sound like you're enlightened, like the rest of the world right now. And you don't want to sound like one of those guys who actually believes in a God who would send his own son to die. Like, what kind of monster is this person? And then you really believe that he was crucified and rose from the dead? Come on, honestly. They will do anything that they can to convince you that that is stupid. Don't fall for it. And again, I want to go on here because this next section here in Colossians chapter 2 is so good. Verse 16, he says, Therefore, no one is to act as your judge in regard to food or drink or in respect to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day, things which are a mere shadow of what is to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one keep defrauding you of your prize by delighting in self-abasement and the worship of the angels, taking his stand on visions he has seen, inflated without cause by his fleshly mind, and not holding fast to the head from whom the entire body, being supplied and held together by the joints and ligaments, grows with a growth which is from God. If you have died with Christ to the elementary principles of the world, why As if you were living in the world, do you submit yourself to decrees such as do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, which all refer to things destined to perish with use, in accordance with the commandments and teachings of men? These are matters which have, to be sure, the appearance of wisdom in self-made religion and self-abasement and severe treatment of the body, but are of no value against fleshly indulgence." Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. 
When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. What a great promise that we have that we need to keep fixing our eyes on Christ, keep fixing your eyes on Christ, keep trusting, keep looking forward to that day. There will be people coming along, there always have been, and there will be until the return of Christ that will say, oh, I found a new thing in the Bible. I found some secret hidden wisdom. I found something in the Greek. I found something in the Hebrew. I found hidden messages, uh, whatever it is. Or what we have today, and this is what I was kind of thinking about as I was thinking through this chapter. We have critical theory. We have things that have infiltrated the church that people are saying, hey, it's okay. There are redeemable portions of this. Let's take that and let's use it because, you know, it's all right. But what they fail to see is, no, from the very core of how this stuff is constructed, it is designed to deconstruct. It is designed to destroy. To lead you away from truth. It is designed to lead you away from truth. And one of the truths is, whether it's critical theory, critical race theory, we are one in Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free. We are one in Christ. We are all one blood, one nation, brothers and sisters who have been bought by the blood of Christ. People want to take that away. People want to divide. Satan wants to divide that. And if you are the one who is preaching something that seeks to divide that, you are preaching a doctrine of demons. So you have to be very careful. You have to have wisdom. Don't fall victim. I keep repeating this, but please don't fall victim to the stuff that people are falling for right now. You have to be wise. You have to walk circumspectly, Scripture says, meaning you are aware of what's going on around you, the circumference around you. What was that saying that you've said several times, but not on the podcast, I don't think, if Satan had his way... Oh, actually, I think it was a Billy Sunday uh, sermon. But if Satan had his way, if he if he ruled uh, this town, you would some people would think that he would be, you know, all the evilest things would be happening. And really, he goes in this whole thing and he says all the sidewalks would be swept. Everything would be neat and tidy. It would look like the perfect town. All of the church pews would be full and Christ would not be preached. The big emphasis was Satan would do that. He would gladly make everything look really, really good as long as Christ is not preached. Because you can be a really good person and be headed straight to hell. That sounds harsh. That's not my words. That's scripture. Your righteousness is as filthy rags before God. Literally, scripture says it's menstrual rags, like the true definition of those words something completely unhealthy, unsanitary, and you presenting your good works to God as if this is what qualifies me to be in fellowship with you. If you were to die today and you stood before God and you said, I I deserve to come in. And he's like, well, why? And you go, well, look at my resume. (laughs) Yeah, I was a good person. You would be insulting him because you're insulting the blood of Christ because it isn't about being good. It's about being perfect. And we are not perfect. It says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We need to be redeemed. We don't need to be good. We need to be redeemed. And Christ came to save sinners. Paul says that, and he goes, I am chief among those sinners. If this guy who literally wrote the Bible can say, (laughs) yeah, part of it, 
he can say, I am a sinner who needs to be saved by the grace of God. You do too. (laughs) You know, I do too. If you are hearing this and you are beginning to fall victim to the vain philosophies of this world, whatever they are, you need to repent. You need to find wisdom. You need to find solid teaching and you need to be opening your Bible and reading it. And if you don't understand it, Find someone who can help you understand that and pray and ask God, would you help me understand what it is I'm reading? It isn't as complicated as we think it is, but it is something that is perceived with the Holy Spirit's enlightening of your mind. One of the most important things you can do also, guys, is be a part of a local church that is solid um, theology, teaching, Bible-believing, Jesus-loving church with good leadership. And if you're struggling to find one, please do reach out to us uh, through social media or our email, and we would be more than happy to help you find a good church wherever you are locally. Yeah, we have friends in a lot of different states, a lot of different areas, and we would love to just ask them, hey, where are you going? Uh, and we, our church is um, affiliated with several churches across the country. All we would believe would be really good and we'd highly recommend. And that's the Acts 29 network. So you can, uh, if you're not involved in a local church right now, you can even search online the Acts 29 network and um, it'll immediately pop up churches that might be near you. Guys, we love you. We thank you. Don't forget to go to our Apple podcast page and leave a review if you want to enter to win that gift card. Uh, And also, don't forget to email us at feedback at alloflifeshow.com and let us know. Give a little screen cap or copy paste of the post that you made, the review that you left, so that we know who to contact in order to get that gift card to them. And join us next week. We are going to be doing our Gospel Tech Update with Nathan Sutherland. That was a couple episodes ago where we went over how to use tech and love God. And we've been working with our kiddos really hard the last month to um, to just make sure that our tech use is uh, edifying and glorifying to God and healthy for them. So we're going to do our update and that will be posted next Monday. Guys, thank you. We love you. God bless. <laughs>